بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونؤمن به ونتوكل عليه ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا ومن سيئات اعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له ونشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له ونشهد ان محمدا عبده ورسوله ارسل الله تعالى بالحق بشيرا ونذيرا داعيا الى الله باذنه وسراجا منيرا فما بعد فقال تعالى يا ايها الذين امنوا اتقوا الله حق تقاته ولا تموتن الا وانتم مسلمون وقال يا ايها الذين امنوا اتقوا الله وقولوا قولا سديدا يصلح لكم اعمالكم ويغفر لكم ذنوبكم ومن يطع الله ورسوله فقد فاز فوزا عظيما وقال نبينا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم اصدق الحديث كتاب الله وخير الهدي هدي محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم وشر الامور محدثاتها وكل محدثه بدع وكل بدعه ضلاله وكل ضلاله في النار my dear brothers and sisters elders inshallah from today i'm starting a series of khutab about the leadership of rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wa alihi wasallam allah subhanahu wa ta'ala jalla jalaluhu sent his messenger muhammad rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam to guide us to success both in this life and the next and he jalla jalaluhu pointed to the life of his messenger sallallahu alaihi wasallam and said that this is a good example this is the best example for somebody who looks forward to the meeting with allah subhanahu wa ta'ala on the day of judgment i request you to reflect on this fact who will look forward to the meeting with allah on the day of judgment as we know when we read the quran all through the quran especially in the in juz amma Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala described the day of judgment and he described the day of judgment in terms which are extremely frightening for anyone who believes in the Quran and anyone who believes that the word of Allah jalla jalaluhu is haq Idha zulzilat al-ardu zilzalaha and so on and so on. Now, when the day has been described like this, who will look forward to such a day? Obviously, only somebody who has the hope that he or she will be sheltered from whatever is happening on that day. And that hope is for those who believe in rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam and not merely believe but who follow his example loving rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam is not sufficient in itself to love rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam is a rukun it's an imad of this deen somebody who does not love rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam cannot claim to be a muslim 
But loving the Prophet ﷺ by itself is not sufficient. Because Abu Talib also loved Rasulullah What is required is to demonstrate this love by obeying him, by following him. If there is no obedience, then the love is not acceptable before Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. In the context of Rasulullah's example for us to follow, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said in Surah Al-Hazab, A'udhu Billahi Minash Shaitan Al-Rajeem, لَقَدْ كَانَ لَكُمْ فِي رَسُولِ اللَّهِ أُسْوَةٌ حَسَنًا لِمَنْ كَانَ يَرْجُوا اللَّهَ وَالْيَوْمَ الْآخِرَةِ وَذَكَرَ اللَّهَ كَثِيرًا Allah said, indeed, in the Messenger of Allah, Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, you have a good example to follow for the one who hopes in and looks forward to the meeting with Allah and who looks forward to the last day, to the day of judgment and remembers Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala a great deal. The life of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is rich and full of lessons. It has been so well documented that it is incumbent upon us. It is essential for us to try to see how his lessons are applicable today in the world that is in principle very similar to the world that he lived in. My premise is this. Since he, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, was able to change his world and take his people from being the most insignificant, the most oppressed and weakest to becoming the predominant, admired and strongest in just one generation, if we learn how he was able to do it, we will also inshallah be able to replicate that in our world today. The bonus reward for this, for following Rasulullah sallallahu is as Allah mentioned in Surah Al-Imran, قُلْ إِنْ كُنْتُمْ تُحِبُّونَ اللَّهَ فَاتَّبِعُونِ يُحْبِبْكُمُ اللَّهُ وَيَخْفِرْ لَكُمْ ذُنُوبَكُمْ وَاللَّهُ غَفُورٌ رَحِيمٌ Which means Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, Say, O Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, tell them, tell all of mankind who claim to love Allah. Say to those who claim to love Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, If you really love Allah, then emulate me, follow me, emulate me. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will love you and forgive your sins and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is oft forgiving and most merciful. The sincerest praise is the praise of the enemy. So let me start with that. Abdullah ibn Abbas narrated in a hadith in Bukhari, Abu Sufyan bin Harb, at the time he was not a Muslim, he said, Abu Sufyan bin Harb informed me that Heraclius summoned him while he was with his caravan in Sham. Sham is usually translated as Syria, but it's not Syria. It is Syria, Palestine, Lebanon, and Jordan all together. That was called the Mulk Sham. Abu Sufyan and his companions were summoned and they went to Heraclius at Ilya, which is the name of Jerusalem. Heraclius was in his court surrounded by the noble, by the Roman nobility. He called for his translator who said to Abu Sufyan, who amongst, who said to the group, 
He said, who among you is the closest relative of the man who claims to be a prophet? Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Abu Sufyan said, I am the nearest relative to him. I'm not saying, every time I say Abu Sufyan, which is the right of the, of the Sahabi, because in this story, he's not a Muslim. But anytime you take the name of a Sahabi, then we take, we say, Radiallahu anhu, this is the right of the, this is the haqq of the Sahaba, Ridwan Lahi So Heraklia said, bring him close to me, bring Abu Sufyan close, and make his companions stand behind him. Abu Sufyan said, Heraclius told his translator to tell my companions that he wanted to ask me some questions regarding that man, Yani Rasulullah and that if I told a lie, they should contradict me. He added, by Allah, had I not been afraid of my companions labeling me a liar, I would not have spoken the truth about the Prophet So the first question he asked me was, what is his family status among you? And Abu Sufyan says, he belongs to a good noble family among us. Heraklia said, has anybody amongst you ever claimed the same, that is prophethood, before him? I replied, no. He asked, was anyone among his ancestors a king? I replied, no. Heraclius asked, do the nobles and the rich people follow him or the poor? I replied, it is the poor who follow him. Then Heraclius asked, are his followers increasing or decreasing? And I replied, they are increasing. And then he asked, does anybody among his followers who embraces religion become displeased and leave and renounce the religion afterwards? And Abu Sufyan said, no. Heraclius asked, have you ever accused him of telling lies before his claim to be a prophet? I replied, no. Heraclius said, does he break his promises? Abu Sufyan says, no. We are at truce with him because this happened after Sulaih Hudaybiyah. He said, we are at truce with him, but we do not know what he will do in this time. And then he said, I could not find any opportunity to say anything against him except this. So he just said this as a, to cast some doubt. He said, he has not broken his promise, but I don't know what he will do in the future. Heraclius said, have you ever had a war with him? And Abu Sufyan said, yes. And then he said, what was the outcome of the war, of the battles? He said, sometimes he was victorious, sometimes we are victorious. Heraclius said, what does he ask you to do? What does he order you to do? Abu Sufyan says, he tells us to worship Allah Jalla Jalaluhu alone and not to worship anything along with him and to renounce our ancestral gods. He orders us to pray, to speak the truth, to be chaste and to keep good relations with our families, with our kin. Heraclius asked the translator to convey to me, and this is Abu Sufyan talking, he said to convey to us the following. He said, I asked you about his family and your reply was that he belonged to a very noble family. In fact, all the Ambiya come from noble families among their people. 
I questioned you whether anyone else amongst you claimed such a thing. You said no. If you had said yes, I would have thought that he was following the previous man's statement. Then I asked you whether anyone of his ancestors was a king. You said no. If you had said yes, I would have thought that he wanted to take back his ancestral kingdom. I asked whether he was ever accused of telling lies before. He said what he said and you said no. And I wondered how a person who never tells a lie about others could ever tell a lie about Allah. I then asked you whether the rich followed him or the poor and you replied that it was the poor who followed him. In fact, all prophets have been followed by poor people first. Then I asked you whether his followers were increasing or decreasing. You replied that they are increasing and in fact, this is the way of true faith till it is complete in all respects. I further asked you whether there was anybody who after embracing his religion leaves it becomes displeased and you said no in fact this is the sign of true faith when its delight enters the hearts and completely mixes with them completely I asked you whether he had ever betrayed you said that he had never betrayed indeed the prophets never betray then I asked you what he ordered you to do you replied that he ordered you to worship Allah alone and not to worship anything along with him and forbade you to worship idols and ordered you to pray, to speak the truth and to be chaste. If what you have said is true, he will very soon occupy this place underneath my feet. I knew it from the scriptures that he was going to appear, but I did not know that he would be from among you. If I could reach him, I would go immediately to meet him. And if I were with him, then I would certainly wash his feet. Yeah, this is what the Roman emperor says. Heraclius then asked for Rasulullah's letter to be, which was addressed to him and it was brought by Dihya bin Khalifa al-Kalbi to the governor of Basra. He asked for this letter. The letter said in the name of Allah, the beneficent, the merciful. Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim. This letter is from Muhammad wasallam, the slave of Allah and his messenger, Abduhu wa Rasuluh. To Heraclius, the ruler of Byzantine, peace be upon him who follows the right path. Furthermore, I invite you to Islam. And if you become a Muslim, you will be safe and Allah will double your reward. And if you reject this invitation to Islam, you will be committing a sin by misguiding your people. And I recite to you Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's statement. قُلْ يَا أَهْلَ الْكِتَابِ تَعَالَوْا إِلَىٰ كَلِمَةٍ سَوَاءٍ بَيْنَنَا وَبَيْنَكُمْ أَلَّا نَعْبُدَ إِلَّا اللَّهِ وَلَا نُشْرِكَ بِهِ شَيْئًا وَلَا يَتَّخِذَا بَعْدُنَا بَعْدًا أَرْبَابًا مِنْ دُونِ اللَّهِ فَإِنْ تَوَلَّوْا فَقُولُوا اشْحَدُوا بِأَنَّا مُسْلِمُونَ O people of the scripture, come to a word common to you and us, that we worship none but Allah. And that we associate nothing in worship with him, Jalla Jalalu. And that none of us shall take others as deities besides Allah. Then if they turn away, say, I bear witness that we are Muslims. Abu Sufyan then added, when Heraclius had finished his speech and had read the letter, there was pandemonium in the court. We were turned out, they were chased away. He says, I told my companions, 
And the question of Ibn Abi Kabsha, the Rasulullah's nickname has become so prominent that even the king of Bani Rasfar, the king of the red people, meaning white people, the Byzantine is afraid of him. And then I started to become sure that he, sallallahu alayhi wasallam, would be the conqueror in the near future till I embraced Islam. And this is the hadith in Bukhari. أقول قولي هذا استغفر الله لي ولكم ولسائر المسلمين فاستغفروه إنه هو الغفور الرحيم الحمد لله الحمد لله همنا كثيرا كما أمر ونشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له ونشهد أن محمدا عبده ورسوله قال تعالى إن الله وملائكته يصلون على النبي يا أيها الذين آمنوا صلوا عليه وسلموا تسليما اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد وعلى آل محمد كما صليت على إبراهيم وعلى آل إبراهيم إنك حميد مجيد اللهم بارك على محمد وعلى آل محمد كما باركت على إبراهيم وعلى آل إبراهيم إنك حميد مجيد My brothers and sisters, I remind you of myself, the key in all of this is to become extraordinary. Let me first try to describe for you and define for you what I mean by extraordinary in the context of the life of Rasulullah because that is the key to the rest. And once again, I take a quote from somebody who was not a friend of Islam. Because the praise of the enemy is the most sincere praise. And this is the French historian Alphonse de Lamartine. He says in his book, History of Turkey, If greatness of purpose, smallness of means and astounding results. Now see the things, is the greatness of purpose smallness of means and astounding results is not talking about just talking the big talk big pie in the sky which nobody achieves no he's talking about great results which are achieved despite the smallness of means so he says if greatness of purpose smallness of means and astounding results are the three criteria of human genius who would dare to compare any great man in history with Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam philosopher apostle this is messenger legislator warrior conqueror of ideas restorer of rational beliefs of a cult without images the founder of 20 terrestrial empires and one spiritual empire that is Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam as regards all standards by which human greatness may be measured we may well ask is there any man greater than he and this is by lamartine as i mentioned to you is not known for his love for islam or the prophet sallallahu the key is to do more than others think is wise to expect more than others think is reasonable to risk more than others think is safe and to deliver more than others expect 
to be extraordinary is to be abnormal in the best of ways to listen to a message in the mind that others can only wonder at to march to a beat that others are unable to hear yet to be able to inspire them to fall in step it's only those who are extraordinary who are inspiring to live is not simply to breathe to draw breath if one aspires to lead one must do more than merely exist one must do what nobody else does not because he wants to impress them but so that they will be able to see that it is possible for them also to do the same there's nothing sublime in pretending to be less than you are what is required of the leader is that he constantly pits himself against his own assumptions and self-imposed boundaries because the only real real barrier to surmount is in one's own mind the leader must have the courage to go where nobody dared to venture before in the world of the minds and spirits of men he must question what was always assumed to be correct he must challenge beliefs handed down from generation to generation and accepted as being real he must stand for the truth no matter what the cost he must support the oppressed the weak and the deprived and stand up to the raw power of oppressors no matter who they might be all these things help the leader to inspire trust the very foundation of leadership a leader must not only be trusted personally but people must have faith that to follow him will benefit them leading by definition is from the front and so the and so leading is a matter of great courage people don't rise to high expectations people don't rise to low expectations they rise to high expectations people need leaders they can look up to not look down on rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam set the standard for extraordinary leadership so convincingly and clearly that even his worst enemies were forced to speak in his favor to be extraordinary is not a choice for a leader it is an essential part of being for anyone who aspires to lead to be extraordinary in ways that people find inspiring invigorating energizing and empowering only the courageous can encourage there was nobody in the history of mankind who exemplified the extraordinary leader in every aspect of his life as did muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam there have been leaders and we when we read biographies are a wonderful thing to read but if you read biographies of people you find that if they excelled in one area they failed in another area there are leaders who became great leaders and great corporate heads over the ruins of several marriages not one there were leaders who became great leaders but whose children were all over the place and so on and so forth but in this in the life of rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam we find that any aspect of his life if you touch you find only extraordinary leadership whether it is his domestic life whether it was his life as a head of state whether it was his life as a friend as a companion as a as somebody who was in a dealing with someone who bought something sold something anything you can randomly pick an incident from his life and use it as a standard for your life and this is something that i believe that you can't say that about anybody's life except the life of him sallallahu alaihi wasallam 
and that is why his companions displayed a level of loyalty to him that is a benchmark in the annals of history they loved him and he loved them I ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala jalla jalaluhu to fill our hearts with love for himself and his messenger Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and to keep us in the company of all those who try to follow the blessed sunnah of Rasulullah sallallahu in excellence that is the surest road to success in this world and the hereafter ربنا فاغفر لنا ذنوبنا وكفر عنا سيئاتنا وتوفنا مع الابرار ربنا ظلمنا انفسنا وان لم تغفر لنا وترحمنا لنكونن من الخاسرين اللهم اهدنا فيمن هديت وعافنا فيمن عافيت وتولنا فيمن توليت وبارك لنا فيما اعطيت وقنا واصرف عنا شر ما قضيت فانك تقضي ولا يقضى عليك فانه لا يضل من واليت ولا يعز من عاديت تبارك ربنا وتعاليت نستغفرك اللهم ونتوب اليك ربنا آتنا في الدنيا حسنة وفي الآخرة حسنة وقنا عذاب النار آمين يا رب العالمين يا عباد الله رحمكم الله إن الله يأمر بالعدل والإحسان وإيتاء ذي القربى وينحى عن الفحشاء والمنكر والبغي يعزكم لعلكم تذكرون اذكروا الله يذكركم عدو يستجيب لكم ولا ذكر الله أكبر والله يعلم ما تشنون أقيم السلام